Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Hi, this is the weekly roundup, all things affecting supply chains this week. This week on Chain Reaction, we have a number of stories that are hitting the headlines. Of course, the big story is the Russia invasion in Ukraine and the impact that's going to have. We have a ship that's in trouble off the Azores. We still have 100 ships on the west coast of the United States queuing up to get into the ports. And we have price inflation on all sorts of goods. We have a, a minister appointed for Brexit opportunities who thinks there are no problems in supply chains as a result of Brexit. And we have other news. So stay tuned to find out more. Russia invaded Ukraine this week. And this will have significant impact on supply chains. Ukraine produces wheat, barley and rye that much of Europe relies on. And it's a big producer of corn. Although harvesting season is still a few months away, a prolonged conflict in Ukraine would increase consumer prices. Many nations in the Middle East and Africa also rely on Ukrainian wheat and corn. And China is a big recipient too. As a result on the Chicago corn market, the price of corn is rising. And it's gone up steadily since September. Wheat prices on future markets have gone up by about 12%, while corn's gone up about 14.5% in the same period. Both Russia and Ukraine account for about 29% of the global wheat export market. Russia controls about 10% of global copper reserves and is a major producer of nickel and platinum. Nickel, of course, is used in electrical vehicle batteries, and copper is extensively used in electronic manufacturing and the construction of houses. The U.S. chip industry relies heavily on Ukrainian-sourced neon, and Russia also exports a number of elements critical to the manufacturing of semiconductors, jet engines, automobiles, and medicine. So there is going to be some disruption in those markets as a result of this conflict. Felicity Ace is a cargo ship carrying some of the world's most expensive luxury cars. It has 189 Bentleys made in crew, destined for the United States. It also has on board some Lamborghinis, and it has some VWs and some Porsches, and they're all headed for the US. But there's a fire on the ship of the Azores, and that has uh, caused some serious problems for the ship. The crew are safe, but uh, I don't know the ship is going to be safe and whether that cargo is going to uh, get to its destination but there's some money involved if those cars go down and this is just a demonstration I suppose of how dangerous it is to move goods around the globe even today on these big ships so uh, we wish everyone involved good luck and we hope it comes to a satisfactory conclusion for all of course, from a supply chain point of view, when you've put all that cost, all the input cost has gone into making those motor vehicles for sale, and then the move to the port and put on ships and the sailing towards the destination, and the company's hoping to get some cash flow coming back from those cars now that they've put all that cash out. It's a real horror story, and... Uh, Insurance, of course, is necessary, but it's no substitute for simply satisfying the customer and getting the cash back. Increased costs of freight 
and materials are making city traders nervous. And they're starting to mark down some of the estimates for profitability for some big brands, including Nike and Converse Foster. And they're blaming it on supply chain related issues. Those things we've talked about, the box prices, the container boxes, and of course, delays, possible delays to replenishing stocks and so on. Over 100 container ships are waiting at sea outside ports in Los Angeles and Long Beach, and trucks and trucker shortages are not moving those goods from the ports when they do unload the ships. So that's still pressure. But I read in the last week or so that the head of the port at Los Angeles expects things to be better in this quarter than in the previous quarter. So perhaps we'll all be surprised when things go to plan. The cost to ship a container from Asia is now around about $20,000 compared to $5,000 this time last year. So that's shot up as well. So there's still rising prices. Here we are at the end of February and the prices of boxes are still sky high. Inditex was, of course, the very first company to adopt fast fashion so successfully with its Zara retail brand. And it's investing about 238 million euros on a complex that will house Zara's apparel sales and the design teams in Artexo, Spain. It's still very strong in in its supply chain capability with a multi-channel selling and vertical supply chain approach. It has about 6,829 stores in 96 markets and it manages online retail activities in about 202 markets. So it's quite a big operation. It's a slick operation. The vertical integration gives it a lot of capability. Many think that the local production in Spain is perhaps a chink in the armour, a weakness of uh, Inditex, but I'm not so sure really. They seem to manage the operation particularly well. And who knows? I mean, these days, it makes sense to have your production units close to the points of distribution and certainly closer to markets. So perhaps Inditex have got it right. Short supply chains, fast supply chains, very important in global fashion markets. In the United Kingdom, there is a new Minister for Brexit Opportunities. Jacob Rees-Bogg. I had to laugh when I saw the Guardian writer talking about this and said, are there any? Well, I understand what he means. Uh, Brexit opportunities are not the way to put it. I would just say, are there opportunities in the market? And yes, there are opportunities in the market, but not because of Brexit. There are always opportunities in the market. I think obviously the minister will have to get up to speed on these business issues because... uh, He seems to be claiming that there are no problems according to Brexit, but he's obviously not been listening to the podcast or reading anything about the problems in supply chains or listening to the companies who are clearly complaining about the problems there are. So uh, perhaps uh, Mr. Rees-Mogg can uh, read a bit more and listen a bit more and uh, instead of making rash statements, he could um, 
Perhaps learn from the people who know. Checking the facts is always a good starting point. Additional customs checks, added bureaucracy, additional cost, labour shortages in many industries, and you probably should ask the farmers in the UK who've been struggling with labour shortages, and of course, subsidy decline since leaving the EU. Driver shortages, the Northern Ireland Protocol, that's not working. Some inflationary pressures have come because of the post-Brexit period. Apparently a couple of percentage points off GDP are due to Brexit. And there's a downturn in trade between Europe and the United Kingdom. I think there are one or two problems. Recognition of the problem, of course, is the first step to solving the problem. So if he doesn't recognise them, of course they don't exist. Well, at least not in the minister's mind, just in the real world. A survey by the British Chamber of Commerce of a thousand businesses discovered that 71% of exporters said the EU trade deals were not enabling them to grow or increase sales. Only 8% of businesses felt Brexit had allowed their business to grow. Hmm. Evidence. The report released also said that 59 firms identified advantages post-Brexit trade agreements, while 320 registered disadvantages, rising costs, not having the time and money to deal with added bureaucracy, and it discouraged customers in the EU from considering UK goods and services because of those perceived costs and complexities. So a lot of resources are being tied up in dealing with all this Brexit bureaucracy costs added to the problems already. And the Public Accounts Committee said that new border arrangements had added costs to business and were ultimately harming UK competitiveness. UK port operators have warned that border chaos, because of new customs checks, is likely to make things worse, and it already has, of course, with costs and delays, which are not a result of any global situation. The UK has a double whammy because it has the global problem, but it also has Brexit problems, which some can't see. The Federation of Small Businesses said that 33% of respondents to a survey that they carried out were totally unaware of the new rules regarding exports to Europe and imports from Europe. Because until January in 2022, of course, there was a leniency period, but now those customs checks are there for real and they're likely to crank up when it comes to the mid-year point, 1st of July Figures from the Institute of Directors said that 30% of firms were not prepared at all. And given that total imports to the UK from the EU rose 2.2% to 57.7 billion in the third quarter of 2021, this might be problematic moving forward. The Office for National Statistics in the UK said that the impact on the UK economy from supply chains with the EU transition period, said that just 13.3% had said they'd made changes for Northern Ireland arrangements, but that they hadn't done anything with regard to the trade in Europe. And that was roughly 61% that have done nothing. So that's even the official statistics that the government have access to on a daily basis. 41% had said that they were using more suppliers, 11.6% were using more EU suppliers, probably to get round the bureaucracy where they could. And 34% made changes in Northern Ireland. That's firms in Northern Ireland. And they've been using more 
EU suppliers too. The Bank of England said that the pre-pandemic economy was 1-3% to smaller than it would have been without Brexit. So even the Bank of England thinks that Brexit's had a significant impact. And back in 2018, the government's own calculations said that the UK economy was expected to be 5% smaller by 2030 than if it had remained in the EU. So I think there's some evidence there, isn't there? The only thing the UK government has promoted so far is the trade arrangement with Australia, which is small beer in terms of the European trade. The British Meat Processors Association has said it expects £120 million to be added to the cost of moving live animals and food products between the EU and the United Kingdom in the year ahead. This is as a result of the border checks that are likely to increase from the 1st of July in 2022 with the EU. And so if we're looking for a supply chain inflationary pressure, it's these additional bureaucratic costs. This one as a result of Brexit, of course. And that will feed through into consumer prices, so that will push up inflation. The United Kingdom has already seen a 4.5% increase in inflation on food during the past year, according to the Office of National Statistics. And this is a 10-year high for the UK. And recently, the chief executive at Tesco said he expected food prices to rise by 5% in the coming year. Wholesale gas prices reached 280 pence on the news that Russia had invaded Ukraine. That was a rise of over 31% in a day from 213 pence per therm the day before. And the oil price increased by 10% at the start of this week. It's now roughly around $105. That's the barrel price of crude. So that's going to make production of all sorts of goods more expensive and also the cost of delivering those goods more expensive. So that's it for the Supply Chain News Roundup for this week. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains, and we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon, all things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.